We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. From the capital of the South, this is the Run ATL Podcast, and I am Mike Cosentino, who has the good fortune of bringing this to you not every two weeks like normal, but these days, every single week, and yet I do it with the same friend you've come to know and love, Dolomite, Dave Martinez, D2. We are on every seven days this fine month of February. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we got a theme going for this month. I mean, like I said, you know, previously, it'd be great if we could do these every single week because it's fun. I mean, it's fun talking to these athletes and getting inspired and motivated and just kind of seeing what's going through their heads and in preparation. And, and at the same time, finally, there's, you know, even though they're at that elite level, they share some of the same kind of struggles and things that we kind of go through. That is so true, and we are bringing real talent to the airwaves today. Jared Ward is our featured conversation. Without question, he comes to Atlanta, one of the favorites on the men's side of the Olympic marathon trials. It was fun to talk to him, and we had a chance to talk a little bit about his sponsor because of some product testing he's doing. It is probably the right time to talk about other things that we're doing with Saucony. We've got so many cool things going on. Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the great things that uh, that we've got going on is, and it's, you know, this is our Super Bowl week, right? I mean, this is, it's it's in our hometown, it's, it's in Atlanta, and we've got a store that's right on the course. So we've got an event planned for Thursday, February 27th with Saucony, and we're going to have Saucony athletes and team members that help develop this product, and we're talking about the hype, and, you know, around the Endorphin Pro. We are the 27th, I believe, is that date where all that will be happening in the Midtown store. Even before that, what I am super amped about is the VIP viewing party. You've been teasing this every single time you had a chance to do so. We need tease no longer. Here are some of the details that we can share right now. Beginning in February, the purchase of any pair of Saucony shoes, when you take that to the register, mentioned that you would like to go to Big Peach Running Company's VIP viewing party. And if we have any tickets left, they will go fast. They are in limited quantities. It is while supplies last. But if you purchase a pair of Saucony shoes, you will get a ticket if there are any left to the VIP viewing party. What does it include? Not only will you have a cool place to stand and see the athletes go by eight different times, We'll have the race on the big screen outside in our Midtown parking lot so you can see the entire thing, whether they're on Peachtree Street or not. Our friends at Wild Heaven Brewing, you may remember them from Big Peach Ale this past summer. They're coming back. They're bringing all of their goodies, and we will have food and all kinds of games and fun. It will start at 1130 that morning. It will go through the race. Of course, you'll have access to restrooms and everything going on inside our Midtown location. But again, very limited. Make sure if you're thinking, man, I need to try on a pair of Saucony's. I need to purchase or update my Saucony's. Do not delay. Go now and get not just that pair of shoes, but your ticket to the VIP viewing party. That's what it takes. D2, there's some cool products coming out too that people should try if they're making that trip. Yeah, so just released is the Kinvara 11, and that's a favor, especially those that are racing and they want a lighter shoe. 
you know, the Camaro 11 promises to be a really great update. I've seen some early reviews and they're saying the durability is there. It's lightweight as it's always been. It's comfortable. It's, it's, you know, great for short distances. It's great for long distances as well. And the other shoe that's also releasing is the Freedom 3, a fairly new product, you know, now only three years old, but still a favorite among those that have uh, run in it uh, over the last couple of years. And then, of course, the Endorphin Pro. That is the shoe. And this is one of the things that many people don't realize is that shoe is not available nationally until June. We will have it exclusively and only in the Atlanta market at Big Peach Running Company starting on February 27th and 28th. Very short window if you want to get one of these new high-end you know, carbon-plated shoes that everyone will be wanting in June Get it in February, only a big peach running company at our Midtown location. For those two days only, that's true. I'm going to do a special plug for the Triumph, also part of the Sockety portfolio. That will be my shoe on Sunday at the Publix Georgia Marathon. That's my choice. So if you've not tried that on and like me, perhaps not like Jared Ward, need a little bit more cushioning, that might be your thing. All those shoes, certainly worth the trip. In the meantime, we're going to bring you one of the favorites for those of you who are not familiar with Jared Ward, we mentioned this in our conversation. He was part of the American team in 2016, had really what some would say is a breakout race to some degree, unexpected result, but my goodness, so cool for him to finish sixth, finish in a time, two hours, 11 minutes and 30 seconds, has only kept going in that vein of being one of the top marathoners in the world more recently in 2018, set a uh, sixth place finish in New York City at the New York Marathon, two hours, 12 minutes and 24 seconds, lowered that PR of his then last year in Boston, finishing eighth with that world-class field. He finished Boston 209.25. And as we also talk about in the conversation, had an unbelievable race very, very recently in Houston at the half marathon where he was about 101 and 30 seconds. So he is fit. He is ready. He is our featured conversation. We will bring it to you unedited right after this brief message. Do your feet hurt? Feel any discomfort in your joints or lower back when you run? Your shoes might be the root of the problem. Whatever your fitness level, your feet should be comfortable and your shoes shouldn't be the cause of an injury or keep you from achieving your fitness goals. Come into any of our seven Big Peach Running Company locations for a free three-step fit process, including a video gait analysis. Our professional fitters will help get you into shoes that fit so you can enjoy running, walking, or any activity that requires you to be on your feet. Our 100% satisfaction guarantee will give you peace of mind if your new shoes don't live up to your expectations. Simply return them. No problems, no hassles, no time limit. We want to make sure you're completely happy with your shoes so you can achieve your fitness goals. Visit Big Peach Running Company today. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. We've been looking forward to this quite some time it is but a few weeks away the olympic trials in atlanta georgia and as we've promised you every single week we are bringing you one of the qualifiers for those olympic trials and we have one of the best one who is bringing it for sure and perhaps is also bringing a little bit of pressure to make the team it is jared ward who joins us right now jared thanks so much for making some time for us 
Hey, Mike. Thank you. I'm excited to be on. Well, we know you'll be here, and we are excited to see you're coming off a really strong performance in Houston and certainly a lot of momentum. So my guess is you're feeling pretty good, and you're ready to get to the start line. I am ready for this one to start. You know, there's uh, there's some races where uh, you want a little bit more time, and there's some uh, where you're grateful for the time you have, and this is one of those where uh, if they said, hey, do you want to move it forward two weeks? I'd probably say, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, now staying feeling healthy, injury-free, and that ready is perhaps part of the trick and, and part of why you would like that calendar to get expedited. But let's talk about some things that, uh, and even as predictable as it is, what you bring with you when you make the trip to Atlanta. In fact, I remember, and I was in Rio and, and watched a lot of the games, including your race, and was just thinking, man, you had such a strong race. I think perhaps to some, maybe not to you, but to some, even stronger than maybe what was anticipated. And yet here we are now almost four years later, and even though that's a special memory for Americans and all of your fans and certainly for you and your family, it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't guarantee you anything as you come to Atlanta and have to do it all over again. So that predictable question, and I'm sure one you've answered in lots of places and many times, but still it's important, I would imagine, not only for us to hear, but also for you to kind of think about, maybe even hear yourself say, what do you now need to do in order to find your way back to those opening ceremonies and ensure it's not just a special day in Atlanta on the 29th of February, but also this summer in Tokyo? Well, yeah, you're, you you hit it right on. I think in 2016, I uh, was grateful for and appreciated the objective system that the U.S. has for, for selecting athletes to the team because I don't think anyone would have selected me subjectively. Um, but uh, uh, but this round, I might uh, I'm I might prefer the subjective selection because I, I think you know I might. Uh, I might uh, get put on that team uh, if if that was how we did it, but but you know I I think this is what makes sports so fun is that um, that nothing nothing is really ever guaranteed in sport and uh, and that's why we watch you know that's why we watch the Super Bowl every year and that's why we watch the Olympics every four years is because we want to see what can happen and that's exciting to an athlete too and I think what I take from 2016 was this. I don't know, almost appreciation of being at the Olympics, having made that team, I don't know, grateful to be there kind of mentality. But then running well in Rio uh, left me feeling like I belonged there. And so I think there was a little paradigm shift in terms of my confidence. And I'll take that into Atlanta and, um, and definitely be racing for a spot on this Olympic team, like I belong there, uh, more so than a hopeful that I might be able to get there. That's awesome. And for those who may not remember the results, it was such a wonderful day for men's distance running, perhaps for American distance running in Rio. Galen Rupp finished third. Jared finished sixth at that Olympic marathon, running two hours, 11 minutes and 30 seconds. And 
you built confidence on that course on that day, but perhaps more importantly, now that we are in 2020, you've put together quite a resume since then. You've had incredibly strong finishes at major marathons, including those here domestically. I mentioned before D2 fired up the mic, your strong performance so recently in Houston. For those who have not seen the result, Jared was the top American finishing the half marathon, one hour, one minute and 36 seconds. So you have not just come out of Rio and said, man, I wonder what's going to happen. You have come out of those Olympics, it seems, and put the foot on the gas pedal, mashed it to the ground and stuck with it. Now here we are kind of coming down the home stretch. What is it that with that confidence that you found yourself leaving Rio and now find yourself bringing to Atlanta kind of has to come together tactically that you have to do relative to the workouts or the nutrition or the sleep patterns or the schedule management? What are some of those other things that have just become critically important as we kind of come down this home stretch? Well, you know, it, it's all important, but I think, um, I think something that's helped me has been finding the things that are the most important and making sure that I do those things really well, um, before maybe worrying about the details that fall a little further down the line. And I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, I, years ago, I approached my training very much from a, um, I'm getting ready for a race. Uh, so I just need to put down my head and push kind of mentality. And I would push and, uh, and sometimes it would work out and, and I'd end up in good shape and on the start line. But most of the time I'd end up at least in some shape or form a little bit banged up or a little bit injured just because of my, I don't know, almost careless way of, uh, of just saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to hit this workout and, you know, and I don't care how my body feels and I'm just going to push through it. And, and I think I've had a little bit of a shift towards uh, a much higher emphasis on on the day in, day out, consistent, stay healthy, listen to my body, and and let my body keep up with the training that I'm doing. And and uh, you know, it took a little, I, I guess it took a little confidence to take a step back and say, you know what, I don't need to go out and force a workout that's better than I've ever done before to know that I'm fit. I need to listen to my body and and run the paces that I'm ready for and 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 continue to progress day to day. And so back in in Boston in 2019 preparing for that marathon I had decided, okay, I'm going to stay healthy. I'd had a good race in New York in the end of 2018, but I'd been injured before it and so I was I was pleasantly surprised with the good race and I thought, okay, I'm going to experiment with Boston. And I'm going to bring down my mileage about 10%. I'm not going to force workouts and I'm just going to let this fitness come. And it came and I ran my personal best in Boston and I thought, well, that worked. So I'm going to try it again for, uh, for New York the next fall. And I think I continued to improve and, and maybe even ran a better race in New York that fall. And so that my new mentality is just to patiently wait for that fitness to come and and um and things are clicking really really good right now you know my my marathon pace efforts have felt smoother and easier than they've ever been in the past um i'm not necessarily running faster than i have in these previous buildups but i'm feeling better and i'm staying healthier and i think that is is opening doors that 
are only opened when you can be consistent over a long period of time. Wow, that's so helpful. You may or may not know that the day after your race is the Publix Georgia Marathon and Half Marathon. So far more people will actually take to the streets the Sunday after your race is finished. And hopefully you find yourself celebrating a great day on Saturday and, and making your plans for Tokyo in the summer. But I hear that advice and I think about for everybody who is registered on Sunday, what we just heard. And I'm going to tease it out again because it is important, not just for somebody who's running at the level you are, but for all of us. And that is, my goodness, don't force those workouts. Let the fitness come, develop that confidence. And then what you said towards the end, Jared, so good for us to hear. And that is consistency matters. That being consistent is more likely to get you not just to the start line, but perhaps to the finish line, the way you want more than forcing one workout or doing something when you're maybe not yet ready for it or even feeling it. Would you say that that's true? And is there anything that you would say to all of us who are running on Sunday that we could apply as we make the final couple of weeks, couple of weeks of preparations and do our own race the day after you? Well, you know, when you, when you're saying, and when you were talking about consistently consistency and, and, um, and, and reinforcing some of those thoughts, what I thought of was, um, something that Haile Geber Selassie had said years ago um, when talking about the marathon. And he iterated that he felt like it took four years of consistent training to really be prepared for a marathon, which wow. which is quite a bit different from the, you know, we, no, we normally look at a marathon like a, a 16 or a 20 week training program, right? Where we, <laughs> we gear up and then we taper and we run the race. But to, to Haile, who was uh, who was the world record holder? Sure, uh, it was it was about consistently improving. And you know, it's it's interesting. Sometimes you know, sometimes people have a tendency to say, "Hey, don't worry about what's coming down the line. Focus on what's in front of us today." And and I certainly feel like there's there's truth to keeping your focus um, right in front of your nose. But I've found that sometimes when I'm training for a race, or when I'm even when I'm in the middle of a race that thinking about how this race and how my consistent improvement that I'm that I'm pushing for in this race is going to build to the next race is sometimes motivating. And so, you know, I'll I'll be thinking in the middle of, you know, for example in in New York last fall, um I was racing for a podium spot, a podium finish at New York and that was my goal. I I finished 6th, so I missed it. But when I was coming down the stretch with a few miles to go, I was thinking about working towards that podium and putting myself in the best position to to capitalize on that if if uh, if that was the way the stars were going to align. But I was also thinking about how me making a a full effort push at the end of that race was preparing me for the Olympic trials that were four months later. And sometimes that takes a little pressure off to think, hey, it's not it's not all about today. Today, you know, and I'll, I'll be on the Olympic trial start line and and it will be a big part of it will be about that day. But but it's not like the result from that day is going to make or break my career or my life. Right. I'm working towards something always in the future. And so in some ways, even though this race is a big race, it's still a stepping stone. And having that mindset when, you know, for runners running, running the marathon in four and a half weeks now, 
or you know, I guess it's like three weeks now, um, is that we can use this race to continue to springboard our progression forward. And um, I don't know, sometimes that mentality helps kind of calm the nerves of, and the pressures of race day. Well, and I love you talk about the fact that you can look further ahead than just race day and that there are other things that matter. In fact, we're going to pick at that before we're finished. In fact, here at the Run ATL podcast, we try to do as much as we can to not only pull out information that would be helpful for our training and running, but quite frankly, in all other areas of life that have meaning and are meaningful to us because we know there is a lot of application that can get applied there as well. Before we do that, though, let's talk about this race that now is only three weeks away. If we go back four years, not to Rio, but instead to Los Angeles and that trials that they had that day in February, a little bit different, but there were certainly plenty of athletes who indicated they spent a lot of time preparing specifically for that day and that course. My guess is you're doing the same here. There'll be a lot of things that are different than what LA delivered in 2016. Certainly we hope to see the sun like LA delivered. The weather, as you probably have already been told or figured out or know from personal experience, can be anything in late February in Atlanta. It could be anything from single digits to really warm. It's a midday start. could be anything from really windy with some precipitation to something that looks more like Los Angeles, at least if you're watching it on TV or you look at the photos afterwards. When you think about this course and what you've been told and what you've done to get ready specifically for February 29th, what are you kind of hoping for? And what do you believe you need to do on this course in our city to have a really successful day? Well, you know what Coach Eyestone tells me whenever I ask him uh, how to prepare for for variables like that is he says, Jared, just get really, really fit and you'll be fine. Mm. <laughs> More so- great advice. No matter when the race happens <laughs> or at what level we're performing, that's awesome advice. You know, and I, I do think that there's a level of truth to that. You know, we can worry about all sorts of uh, what ifs, um, but we can only control what we can control. And so focusing on getting really, really fit and and preparing for the hills and um, and we do some things to prepare. You know, I run in 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 great conditions here in Utah in the winter sometimes and in some ugly conditions. And when it's ugly outside, I say, Hey, if it's ugly in Atlanta, this is what, this is preparing me for that. And, and so I just control what we can. And I think, you know, like you say, Mike, racing and running prepares us for other things in life, unrunning related as well. But similarly, the, the things in our life that are not running related can prepare us for the running related things. And I think learning how to live in the present and adjust to variables of the day as a pattern of habit, whether it's in running or whether it's in some other aspect of our life is going to condition the mentality to do that as a runner. If I'm up in the middle of the night with a kid, you know, we have four kids. If I'm up in the middle of the night with a kid who's sick, you know, I can think, okay, tomorrow's a big workout. I'm losing sleep. This can it can begin to spiral out of control in terms of this was not part of the plan. Or I can say, Hey, I miss sleep. How are we adjusting to that? Do we need to push the workout to the afternoon so that I can take a nap? Are we just going to get it out of the way in the morning and, and recover after, you know, and, and just the, the ability to, instead of worry about what's happening or what might happen and condition in the behavior of, I'm just going to react the best I can to the situations I'm in sets us up to do that on race day if we get a curveball. 
Wow, that's and you took me exactly where I, I wanted to go, and that is to be able to kind of learn from you. Have you teach us a little bit, not just on your training plan or what it takes to be a world class runner? And you led us perfectly, Jared. So let me ask you this: Have you heard the term Keystone Habit? Yeah. Okay. So running, I think, for a lot of people, whether you're at a world class level or you're someone who's just committed to trying to get the most out of your fitness routine might understand that whole keystone habit principle where you find one thing that you commit yourself to doing and you do it really well and you do it really consistently and then you find yourself maybe without the same level of effort effort finding improvement or making gains in those other areas because it kind of cascades down from that keystone habit with running of course for those who are not familiar with the principle now all of a sudden maybe you're going to bed a little bit earlier so your sleep is more predictable maybe your diet or your nutrition has changed because when you start to think of yourself as a runner or a consistent walker now all of a sudden it impacts your choices when it comes to your diet there's just an easy way to say yeah my goodness if i wouldn't have started running i wouldn't have started or maybe finished some of these other things that now are important to me you mentioned your four kids you're also an adjunct professor at Brigham Young University. I know, heck, Utah alone begs you to have other hobbies and interests. So now when we think about that keystone habit, whether it's running or something else in your life, mine or someone else's, what is it that you would say as you get ready for these games and you look back as what has really been required over the last four years is necessary for all of us to manage our time, maybe even own our time really, really well to get the most out of each day but also make sure our priorities get the attention they deserve. Well, Mike, that's going to be, I feel like that's going to be different for everyone because the, you know, to me, the, you know, a keystone approach to, uh, to our mentality means we're finding something that not only can we put up there, that's going to be um, a beacon for us to focus on, that's going to make a big difference. We're also probably picking something to put up there that we do pretty well because mm. that, you know, that's why, you know, we, we love, not only do we love things more that we feel like we're relatively good at drawing attention to the things that we're doing well fuels a motivation that we're good at doing things and we can continue to do other things. And I think, you know, any of everybody's busy, you know, I don't, I don't care how much, you know, how much stuff you have, on your calendar, the, the world has a way of sapping time, um, that we leave unallocated and we can go back and look at our day filling holes of all of the mistakes we made or misallocations of time we made or unproductivity we had, or the things that we could have done better. And we can do that for our whole lives and just end up spiraling ourselves downward into a a pit where we've reinforced all of these things that we're not as good at as we want to, or mm. we can take this, what I see is this keystone approach and we can say, Hey, I'm doing this really well and I'm going to continue to leverage this strength. And it kind of has a top down effect, like you say, of maybe even subconsciously saying, Hey, you know, my, the thing that I'm really good at is being consistent and getting out every morning. And, and that, you know, that means, well, when I come home, I feel good. I eat a little bit better. And when it's time for bed, I get to bed a little bit earlier because I am such good. At, I am so good at getting up in the morning or whatever it is that trickles down. And so, you know, for me, it's, it's been, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at being where I am. I'm, I'm good at being here. And so my keystone is to live in the present. So when I'm running, 
I'm running hard. And when I'm in my office, I'm in my office checking off things on my office list and focused on that. And when I'm home, I'm home. And in, in sometimes that means that, um, you know, maybe something I could be doing to help my running recovery related or, or an extra training session or something takes a back seat because I'm home and home needs me and I'm focused on my home. But I think it's, it's been, uh, a blessing in my, uh, in my training and running to have, I guess, nurtured the ability and reinforced that it's something that I feel like I'm good at is living in the present and, and to be doing what I'm doing right now. And, and that's it. And I'll get on to the next thing when I get there. Well, I would imagine as a fellow parent, and we heard your daughter before we started this conversation. So I know that you're at home and heck, just in the four years that is that cycle in between summer Olympic games, you see a lot of change, even in your own household with four daughters and you and your wife and things that you've committed yourself to. What is it even personally that you can say, here's where I've seen some growth or here's where I've seen some real excitement in things that also matter to me between now and when you were thinking about making the team in 2016, we just set that running aside or at least put it perhaps secondary to some other things. What are some things that you're really thankful for just personally these last four years? Well, you know, one thing that I've looked forward to even long before I was married and had thought specifically about kids is uh, sitting on the sideline at soccer games or whatever they want to play and watching my kids um, go out or, or, you know, on the side of a track or whatever and go out and perform. And uh, that has been really fun as, as my kids have grown. My, my oldest is seven, turning eight uh, in a couple of months. And, and, uh, and so we're, we're doing things uh, that we weren't doing four years ago. And it turns out I'm actually, you know, I, I imagine myself on the sideline and it seems I've been roped into coaching um, maybe more than I had imagined, but, but I'm coaching a basketball team uh, right now. We had a game yesterday and, and it was fun. And, you know, last fall I was coaching a soccer, a soccer team and, and that was fun. I, I didn't coach baseball. I, uh, I don't know enough about it, but I did go, go to the games and watch and that, that aspect of watching my kids develop and grow and, and get into whatever it is that they're into gymnastics or chess or whatever they're doing at school has been, uh, has been a lot of fun. And, and I think it's, it's channeled, you know, that the focus in that area and being present in that area has channeled an extra motivation for me to run at my potential because I, I want my kids to have this, I don't know, I want to, I want them to believe that they can do tough things. And I want to show them that we, our family are capable of doing tough things. And, and that idea of inspiring, um, perseverance and, and being tough, uh, has motivated me to, to continue to push myself with the marathon. Man, that is really cool. As a parent, I, get chills just thinking about pushing our kids. And then when you said as a family, 
it's not just pushing our kids. It's making a commitment as a family to do tough things, to do things together that, that make us better. That is, that is really cool. And speaking of cool things that you're doing, one of your sponsors is a really important, one of my favorite partners, in fact, Saucony, and some of the things that they're going to unveil, even with us, while you're busy making final preparations and out on the course, I know you've been involved with with the new endorphin collection that at this point there's not that much information heck you may have far more than even what we do or what we would be allowed to have at this point so you might have to bite your tongue on a couple of things that you know but you're not yet at license to actually speak about but you've been hyper involved in product testing and and bringing some of these new cool technologies to the point where they're about to come into the market so if we set the elite runner status aside and we think about something beyond just making the team this summer and we go instead to the work that you're doing with a brand that perhaps runners around the world are already familiar with and product that they're soon going to get to know what can you tell us about that work that you're doing and what those of us that are on this side of the equation can kind of expect in the market, not just from Saucony, but from what you've learned about the footwear industry over the last few years. Well, it's been a fun time to be involved in it. I mean, as as you well know, in the in the product world, uh, running running shoes, at least on the performance side, that the industry was kind of flipped on its side a few years ago when uh, essentially shoes started coming out that were. I don't know, a decade ahead of their time. And, uh, and, and runners were performing drastically better. And, and, and so it's a fun time to be an innovator, uh, as it relates to shoes. And, and I think that's what has been fun at Sockney and the, the team there is amazing. I, you know, I think they're, they're one of the best in the world. It was, it was funny how, you know, my, my exposure to this endorphin pro, what, what became the endorphin pro in the collection um, was 18 months ago when just a week before the New York City Marathon, Spencer White calls me up, who's the product developer at mm-hmm. Saucony and, and the, the best there is out there. I truly, truly believe that. He, uh, he says, hey, we have some shoes that you can wear in, in New York if you want to try them. And, you know, it's a week before the race. And I said, sure, I'll try them. And, and he sent me out some prototypes and uh, a few versions of it. And I tried them out on a treadmill with an oxygen, measuring oxygen uptake. So effectively trying to see which one demanded more energy out of my body. And, and one of the shoes was 4.4% better than the one that I was going to wear. And so, so I wore it in the race and I had a great race. This was the race we talked about where I, I had little lower expectations and training hadn't gone as well. And, and I ran really well. And so I was instantly excited about these shoes. And the more I, I found out about Saucony's development, the more I realized that they'd been working on these for a long time. You know, Nike had released the Vaporfly and and shoe companies everywhere were scrambling to create a shoe that was competing with it. And Saucony had already been working on this shoe for years and and was now getting to a point where they were excited to release it and and there's some great features with this shoe it it wears and lasts really well the the foam that that Spencer and team have come up with is a very low density foam but it's resilient to wear and tear and so these shoes are going to last miles and miles as opposed to um as opposed to you know one race where you know you run once in it and then you got to go get a new pair 
their shoes in terms of uh, these these fast racing and and this kind of niche in the market. And um, man, they, it's just been fun. You know, I've I've been involved in iterative testing. You know, they send me shoes and I I test on the treadmill and determine which one is most efficient for me and I send that information back to Saucony and then a month later they send me four new shoes that are iterations of that shoe or you know broken down changes of that shoe and I probably have 30 prototypes in my house that have come over the past 18 months and and that's it's uh it's been fun it's been fun to go out to Saucony and do some testing there and to have them send shoes where I can do that at BYU and some of the um some of the opportunities that I have being affiliated with the university here and with incredible sports science staff. And so, I don't know, it's just been, I guess I get, I get a little excited and nerdy almost about it because it's, uh, it's been fun to be on the product development side of, of certainly something that I'm pretty passionate about from a performance standpoint. Well, that's awesome. And I just made a, a note here because we have a mutual friend in Spencer White. And quite frankly, I had not thought about him as having a, as a guest on the Run ATL podcast. And as soon as you said that, I'm like, my goodness, why have we not had Spencer on here at this point? Because when we think about somebody who does think so critically about footwear and its usage for every single level of athlete and someone who seemingly can kind of see the future, it is Spencer White. So Spencer, now that you're listening to this, I am putting you on notice. Your buddy Mike in Atlanta is going to be reaching out and suggesting we have you sometime over the summer on this broadcast. So be ready to either deny my phone call as it comes in or change your email account. Spencer is on notice. All right. So when we think about what you're going to be wearing, I'm going to have to take him out to a burger or something as an apology. But, if you did, be awesome. Well, and I think he would. It's like I'm, I feel a little bit silly that we haven't already arrived at that conclusion. And I think sometimes we can be so myopic to get the world class athlete, to get somebody who has this unbelievable accomplishment in and around the world of sport, and we forget these people, the geniuses that stand behind all of us and give us the equipment, the tools that we need. And Spencer is certainly on that level of people who do that for us. So let me ask you this, as you think about your footwear on race day, when you think about some of the things and some of the ways that Saucony has supported you, because I know that they have, what is it that you've learned? And you said it, maybe it was a decade ahead of its time, but you've learned a lot in the last four years and footwear, if it's been four years of development and, and maturation of Jared and his family and all kinds of other things since 2016, to your point, footwear maybe has come along 40 years since then. What are some of the things just from an equipment standpoint that you might do differently now when you come to Atlanta than what you would have when you laced your shoes for the race in Rio in 2016? Well, you know, Four or five years ago, it, it seemed like um, product innovation was solely built around, in, in, from a performance standpoint of shoes on runners, it was built around making it lighter. And so we were going lighter and lighter, lighter, and gradually stripping away, uh, you know, cushioning and support and things like that, trying to keep as much as we needed, but it was getting lighter, 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 lighter. And, and then we started to realize, I guess, as an industry that there are other things going on too. Um, what if we could use even lower density foams supported by a carbon fiber plate where those low density foams allow us to cushion ourselves better, requiring our body to do less eccentric loading. I mean, you notice that when you, you run downhill, uh, for an extended period of time, 
you're more sore after that. Now you can run faster, but you're more sore. And that, that eccentric loading that your body catching itself and slowing, you know, slowing it down your quads or whatever, um, that type of motion breaks down muscles quickly and you notice it going downhill. But when you're running flat, that, that still is happening, that eccentric loading. And I think that a big thing that has been discovered is that if we can have something that cushions that eccentric loading to where our body doesn't have to do that, then our body doesn't have to work as hard. And so now we're kind of going the other way and we're saying, well, we, we very well, we acutely understand the, um, the ramifications of adding weight to product, right? So every, hundred grams of weight added to footwear increases, uh, energy cost by 1% or something like that. And it's, but it's pretty well, um, you know, that's been well tested. So when we add weight, we know what the cost of that is, but what we're discovering now is that if we add weight the right way with the, with the proper cushioning and then, you know, maybe a plated shoe, a plate that allows you to use such low density cushioning, then, we maybe arrive at something that's actually not too much heavier, but is a lot more efficient. And, and so, I don't know, I think, I think we're a lot more dynamic now. I guess the short answer would be five years ago, we were saying, okay, what product can we, what can we do that makes the shoe lighter? And now we're looking at it as a, a whole new problem on its side where we're saying it might not just be weight that's a factor here. And maybe weight isn't even the biggest factor. What else can we do to make the shoes faster? And, um, and so it's a, it's a fun time to be an innovator, uh, with running shoes. Well, it's funny that you use the word innovator or innovator being innovative, because I still remember, and we've been doing this for over 15 years now. And I remember thinking, wow, the innovation has come so far. And this was back 2006, 2008. No way could this possibly continue. What are we going to do? What's our business going to be like? when the innovation just comes to a crawl in and around running footwear. <laughs> and instead, it seems like it's on steroids practically over the last few years. And maybe that was just me being totally wrong that that would ever happen, that the increases in innovation would be more gradual. Because so far, there's been no season that would suggest that's true. And right now, it would be suggestive that it's actually being amplified at a quicker rate than ever before. So let me ask you this, and, and one of the things, and one of the things that now, if nothing else, D two, if people wouldn't have believed us on how to pronounce Saucony, they've now heard a world class athlete do it. We get that all the time, of course, you know, and the different pronunciations in our store. So there it is. Jared Ward said it. It is Saucony. They used to have a product and uh, a box that had the packaging with the pronunciation key on it. So Saucony, for all of the, those of you who have already made that mental note, oh my goodness, that's how it's actually pronounced. And if you want more useless knowledge, you can find it, of course, every time on the Run ATL podcast. It's a creek in the great state of Pennsylvania that Saucony is named for. That's the river mark on those shoes. And most importantly, there is some unbelievable product that we will be showcasing around the Olympic trials when they come to Atlanta out of our Midtown store. Of course, we'll give you all of the details on that. Stay tuned for more information than what even Jared can divulge at this time. Jared, before we let you go, we've got some things that we're doing with all of our star athletes. 
while we have this special month here in Atlanta. So I've got some questions for you that are hopefully going to get you even more ready for your next trip to Atlanta. And then one final question that I'm hoping you'll answer to get us even more ready for your arrival. So let me ask you this. Are you ready? Uh, I think so. I guess we'll find out, right? (laughs) Well, and the reality is, even though there might be right answers and wrong answers, there's nothing that is going to be anything but cool about the fact that we've had you and that we're going to have you in our fair city before the month is out. So these questions are about Atlanta. And I will start with this. You already mentioned that you now have the good fortune of observing many different sports because of your kids. That might be of some help here. So question number one, which team was the last professional sports team in Atlanta to win their respective championship? Which Atlanta hometown team last won its respective professional sports championship? Well, it should have been the Falcons three years ago. <laughs> oh, good. There's bitterness about that game that is actually outside the state of Georgia. All right, good. I agree with you, but you're also right in the fact that you're probably saying it should have been because you know that's not the answer. Uh, yeah, and I don't think they have won one. I, I feel like uh, hockey and basketball has been so terrible in Atlanta for so long. It's got to be the Braves, but I don't know when. All right. So this is this is the brave final answer. Final answer is the brave. So here we'll give you a a little bit more. That way you can feel informed when you get here. First of all, you're right. Hockey's been terrible in Atlanta because we lost our professional sports team a number of years ago. The Thrashers no longer exist. So we're not even in the NHL. So you're right about that. It was not (laughs) hockey in terms of the Braves. You know, unfortunately, that's not the correct answer. It's been way back in the 90s since we won the World Series there. We did have a better team this year. But what surprises a lot of people. Atlanta, the capital of the South, has become a soccer city. The Atlanta United won the MLS Cup in 2018 at the same facility that the Falcons play. So that is our most recent professional sports championship, the Atlanta United. And when you get to town, you will see this town is crazy for our Atlanta United. And you'll be like, man, I didn't ever know that the Falcons or the Braves might actually play second fiddle to the Atlanta United. But it is certainly (laughs) true. All right, so let's go back in Olympic history, even further back than you. In 1996, of course, the Centennial Olympic Games were here in Atlanta. And you (laughs) said already, baseball wasn't your thing necessarily. You didn't coach that sport. So maybe I'm taking an unfair shot at you here because this is going to be somewhat related to baseball. But the Olympic Stadium at the 1996 Olympic Games was converted from Olympic Stadium to the new home of the Braves after the Olympics left town. The stadium received a new name. The name was after the founder of CNN and what we would say here locally, a real media magnet. Who was that former Atlanta Braves team owner that the stadium was named after, after it was no longer Olympic Stadium? So it turns out I actually do know the answer to this because I was reading up on the Olympic Stadium, right? And, and you know, with with Atlanta hosting the trial and knowing that they had hosted the Olympics, I've been interested in some of the history around the Olympics. But that would be Mr. Ted Turner. That is awesome. Very, is very cool. You are correct. That is the right answer. And, and we've asked this question to a couple of different guests, and we've had a variety of answers. You'll appreciate this. Living in Utah, we had a guest who lives and trains in Bozeman, Montana, and she ended up getting the right answer, as our audience will hear at some point when we 
release all these episodes, but her answer was great because she said, well, he's everybody's neighbor in Montana because I think he is the single largest <laughs> landowner in the United States and is certainly in Montana. So I was like, that's right. That's a probably an unfair question to Montana residents. Okay. So my guess is when you get to Atlanta, you're not going to have as much time as you'd like to play spectator. And certainly when you're out there on the course, it's probably not the ideal time for sightseeing. So I'm going to give you three landmarks in Atlanta and I'm going to have you Tell us which ones you believe are actually on the course. So here are the three landmarks. You let us know which or how many of these are on the course. First of all, the site that the National Park Service manages that reflects the birthplace of Martin Luther King Jr. Secondly, 39th president of the United States, Jimmy Carter, his presidential library. And third, in the South, we tend to believe this is one of the greatest novels ever written, Gone with the Wind, and where that novel was penned by Margaret Mitchell. In fact, it would be the house where she lived and wrote that book. Of those three landmarks, all of them, some of them, which of those are on the course? <laughs> well, I don't know about the second two, but I, I came and, well, actually, after the Peachtree Road Race a year and a half ago, Chris Derrick and I went on a run around a preliminary kind of uh, drawn up course of what the trials might be. And I remember running past Martin Luther King Jr. Park. And so I'm going to say birthplace of Martin Luther King Jr., is on the course. You are right. That but is I don't correct. know about the other two. <laughs> All right. So your your total is two. That's not bad. We'll uh, publish final results. Your prize may be on the way. The Presidential Library of Jimmy Carter is not on the course, so that gets you your third point. And then, yes, the Margaret Mitchell House and Gone with the Wind, where that was authored, is on the course. So you'll see the Margaret Mitchell House at the north side of the course when you're making the turn. So the last question, Jared, and it's really cool for us. In fact, our Midtown store, we're at a part of the course where you and all of the other athletes will come by actually eight times so just fortuitous for us after paying that heavy lease for so many years that it all comes back in our favor but we're looking forward of course to seeing you go by to making sure you're having the time of your life even though you're going to be out there working hard so the last question that i'm going to ask is for all of us in atlanta for the run atl nation for the citizens and the visitors of atlanta that weekend what can we do for you and perhaps anybody else you would speak for to make that weekend in Atlanta even that much more special, that much more memorable? What is it that we can do or that you would request from us or perhaps suggest for us once we get to February 29th? You know, this might sound uh, cliche, but I would love for Atlanta to just be Atlanta. I mean, I can't, I can't think of a more American city in that, like a city that just embodies what I see America as. I mean, I've, I've come out and run the Peachtree Road Race um, a couple of times on the Fourth of July, and the last time I came out, I brought my whole family with me uh, because I wanted them to experience the Fourth of July in Atlanta, and. Um, I don't know. I just uh, I I just feel like Atlanta is American, and so I don't I don't know that there's a better place to host the U.S. Olympic trial than in the city of Atlanta. So I want Atlanta to just be Atlanta. 
Wow, that is so cool. What a great answer. And uh, I will remember that for a long time. And hopefully not just on February 29th will Atlanta be the best Atlanta can be. But that is great advice for us on that day for sure and probably so many days that follow. He is Jared Ward, one of the favorites on the men's side of the Olympic marathon trials. Jared, thank you so very much for giving us this time so generously. And of course, on behalf of all in Atlanta, we wish you the best of luck. And if we could bring the race to you even sooner than what it is, we would. We are so glad you're feeling so ready. And we will certainly hope that remains the case until you get here. Hey, well, thank you, Mike D2 for having me on. You bet. So long, and we'll see you in a few weeks, and we will be right back after this brief message. The newly released Saucony Kinvara 11 has a lightweight feel to be efficient, chase PRs, and go fast. Power Run Cushioning maintains the lightweight responsiveness that makes this shoe a favorite for daily training miles or racing longer distances. Now available at select Big Peach Running Company locations. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. D2, you said it at the onset. These athletes not only bring us such good stuff as it relates to the sport of running, to our training perhaps, but also to things that carry over into other aspects of our life. Boom. There it is. Jared Ward did it again. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I actually can't wait to meet him in person when he's at uh, our Midtown store on the 27th. Um, what I really kind of, um, you know, enjoyed hearing because something that I think I've applied to myself is what he said as far as, you know, you can only control what you can control and not to really dwell on the things you can't. And I, you know, and he, he was applying that to race day and the conditions of the course and the weather and all that. But I think it applies to anything else in life, whether it's, you know, someone cut you off in traffic or whether it's (laughs) someone, you know, at work or something, you know, project came up or, you know, whatever comes up in life. I mean, there's, there's, things that you can't control and there are things you can and the way you react and the way he said you adjust that's within your control and i think that's a great message you know it's something that i've kind of over the last couple of years have been like trying to learn you know not you know it's like just you get there's some things you just gotta let go and other things like it's how i react and then how i move uh, forward and i think it's perfect for endurance type of uh, events endurance type of events like life exactly. right? adaptation is so important love how you reminded us that again if you want to meet jared in person the 27th of february in our midtown store great opportunity to do that as well as all of his teammates with Saucony. thanks to them for making that opportunity happen adaptation is actually a theme for us this week we've had an unbelievable week we've gotten the opportunity to talk to Brittany charbonneau the funny runner last night we were with Haley Chura and many, many of our friends in town Brookhaven for a Facebook Live that we also converted to the podcast that is coming up next. We'll give you a link in our show notes to this episode if you want to watch the Facebook Live. See it that way. Otherwise, know our guest on the next Run ATL podcast with a drop date February 17th, 2020, Haley Chura. And if you remember, D2, she too mentioned that being able to adapt whether it's in your training or your race plan or life in general is just something we need to do. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, we can learn a lot from these athletes in our, just in our day-to-day lives, not just in running and in the sport or any sport. It's just, just great messages for everyday life. 
It is. This has been such a special week. Thanks for everything that you've done to pull it together, to pull it off. For those of you who need these dates, need to set your reminders accordingly, this will be Haley Tura on February 17th. But we're not done. Even though it's been a big week, you can also set your calendars for February 24th, where we'll have the opportunity to sit with Molly Huddle, another favorite on the women's side this time, who will be coming to Atlanta. Been a big month for sure, D2, working overtime. I don't know if any other work is getting done or not, but this has been a lot of fun. Certainly appreciate you being by my side. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 been fun. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, I've had to make adjustments to my own training schedule, but I'm going to pick up one of those endorphin pros because that's going to make up for my lack of training. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> well done, and even more so than appreciating D2 for all he does, we appreciate you for being part of run atl nation thank you so much for listening for joining us in the month of february every single week we will be back in just seven days in the meantime like we say as we certainly mean may your best miles be those covered on foot